0: Two, five, six, seven, nine. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Rosso, Film Photography Podcast. I'm here in the studio with Leslie Lazenby. Hello, pod people. And Mark O'Brien. Hey, everyone. And for folks who don't know, because, we, you know, we tend to have the big gang here or the drive time gang, but very rarely is it just a cozy Leslie Lazenby and Mark O'Brien. Uh, Leslie is from Finlay, Ohio.
1: Lovely downtown, Finlay, Ohio.
0: Now, w- Leslie, were you always in Finlay, Ohio?
1: No, I I was, uh, well, I was born in that county, but raised in the next county over, rural, as John Fidelli would say. Yes. And um, uh, moved once or twice in there and actually moved into the city then, years ago when I got married.
0: When you say the city, you Findlay. mean... Okay. No. Oh, okay. Compared to rural, I mean, Findlay rural. Is the yeah, city. where
1: three sides of you, there's a road and three okay. sides are corn.
0: Well, which high school did you go to?
1: AHS, Arlington High School, home of the Fighting Red Devils.
0: How far is that from Findlay?
1: It's uh, ten minutes. Okay, ten to fifteen. No, no more than
0: fifteen. And I know this is very impromptu, and we didn't like rehearse any of this, but you know, we you didn't. This is not on our agenda. But what was your first photographic job?
1: My first photographic job.
0: Yeah, like professional, like you considered professional, having to do with film.
1: I don't remember. Okay. I was probably sent out on assignment when I worked at B&J Photo. Okay. Now, I did have assignments because in high school, I was the infamous yearbook photographer. Okay. So I did have things that I had to cover and had to perform and get the job done. I just didn't get paid for them. Yep. So... Thank you, Liston. Paying job, I don't know, maybe. Ah, uh, huh. I think it was the photographer B and J photo was Bob and Justine. Okay. And Bob was old because we nicknamed him Foz, which was short for Fossil. Fossil. Yeah. Foz. And uh, <laughs> it was the, one of the Foz's class reunions. Mm-hmm. And the Foz didn't want to jump around getting the picture, so he hauled the kid along, as he called me, the keyed. And he holl- took me along and then gave me some dineros. He <laughs> set everything up, I'm sure. And I shot the button and he did the
0: rest. Wow. So it was
1: probably that incident, I would okay. say.
2: Yeah.
0: And Mark O'Brien, where did you uh, grow up?
2: Uh, up in the Adirondacks, northern New York. Is that right? Yeah.
0: What high school did you go to?
2: Parishville Hopkinton Central School. My senior class had 46 people in it. No kidding. In 1975. Yeah. Wow. Okay,
1: I'm not telling you. When I graduated, I didn't have that many
2: <laughs> at good old AHS. Uh, did
0: did you – were you part of like the AV or the camera club?
2: No, I never thought of myself as one of the we – actually, we did have AV guys back then because we had – those big real to real videotape, those yes. big, was it Umatics? UMATICS? Yeah, and they had, and we thought at the time we were at the the vanguard of audio audiovisual stuff because they'd had the TVs on the carts and they'd, you know, do this stuff. I was never the, the AV guy. I think my, I had a class in photography as part of our, the guy who was our science teacher uh, had a little after school, I don't know if it was after school or not, but we had a little photography. Uh, class And that's when I developed my first roll of film for my Instamatic. In in, in school? In high school, yeah. It was like 1973, maybe.
0: Uh, 126 Instamatic? Yep. So you probably had like a roll of Verichrome Pan. Yeah, Verichrome Pan, yeah. I still have those negatives. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I have all that stuff.
2: You, have, you ever post any of that stuff? Uh, I have in the past... I posted a few things from way back then. My first SLR was a gift that later that seventy three December seventy three was a Exa two A right, which I had a love hate relationship with. Waist level viewfinders on thirty five millimeter. Yeah, are, they're great for some things, but not for vertical shots. Yeah, I don't think we've ever discussed our high school days.
0: Well, Fideli and I have, but rarely I talk to you guys about high school days and you know how did you get into photography and...
1: Well, actually at Arlington, you could not be on yearbook staff unless you were a junior or a senior, but I wanted to take pictures and I got in as a Southmore.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I used what was supplied to us to use from the yearbook company, a Pentax K1000 type of camera. It wasn't the K1000, it was a little bit older than that, and that's what we were given to shoot with. We got a 50 and a 135. I probably had a flash to you I know I
0: did. And away you go. I know, Here that you go. was yeah. it. Came in the bag.
2: Here's some Tri-X.
0: No. Here you go. It was
1: at the point that I got. It had been used a couple of years already. Okay. Uh, and it was in a file drawer in the art department. But, uh, yep, Tri-X.
2: Probably a Spotmatic they gave you. It was a
1: Spotmatic, yeah. but I believe it was like the SP500 oh, now no. that you say that. Oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Folks at home, uh, <laughs> did you grow up in the 1980s or the 1970s? Or the two thousands, Sure. that's fine. Yeah. Okay, do you have any like images you shot in high school that you know you want to share? You could shoot us an email, podcast to Tell us how you got it in. You know, in, introduced to the world of film photography.
1: I think uh, I don't know if it was your first camera. Was it a one twenty six?
0: Oh, my very first camera. Yeah, was a was Keystone. A, you had one. a
1: Keystone, and I got it GAF. Yep. I had
0: a Kodak
1: because I wanted a camera and I asked for it for Christmas, and I was 10 ish, 11 ish. And I'm pretty sure you know, mom and dad's just thinking, Oh, don't get her anything good, get her, yeah. the, get her that cheap GAF. And the um, flash that I was able to use on it because it was battery operated, I think lasted about one roll. I never was able to use oh. flash again, but it also at that point I kind of learned if there was some light inside a decent amount. I would take the picture anyway. So I think from round one, I was always pushing my camera a little bit beyond the norm.
0: You know, you know back in the day, pre-internet days, when there were camera, local camera stores, I kind of forget how all the, f- the f- uh, family cameras that came into my household growing up. I mean, my dad would go down to the local camera store in Jersey City and... I think the people behind the counter had a lot of influence as to what they were pushing oh, yeah. to consumers. Absolutely like sure. he walked into a store, wanted an Instamatic, and someone pushed the Keystone on him. Uh-huh. Now, Keystone, there's a, there's a manufacturer in Paramus, New Jersey. Maybe that's why they're you know, so heavy in this area. But you know, as a consumer, I don't think my dad you know, gave it much thought. It's like the salesman shows them a box, shows them this is what you want. You know, who knows? Maybe it's their spiff. Right. You know, the salesperson has, you know, Uh spiff is um, when a salesperson is given an incentive.
1: They give a little reward. It could be a little financial reward, um, points to go into a trip or all kinds of things. Yeah.
0: And then my dad comes home with a keystone and that that passes down to me. And then all of a sudden, that's my first camera. And, you know, to this day, that holds like a near and dear Uh place in my heart. And unbeknownst to all of us, it's just, you know, that's what was being pushed at the time. Oh, right. It's sort of I, like what you know. Yeah, I know
1: where mine came from. Where? The J.C. Penny catalog.
0: Oh, no kidding. Dad had no time for
1: that kind of stuff. I don't know what he even shot with. He didn't shoot any family stuff. It wasn't my dad's thing. Yeah, Mom did. And a lot of her stuff was a uh, point-and-shoot Brownie Hawkeye type of camera, which by tradition always trimmed our heads off.
0: And I'm guessing JCPenney was kind of aping what Sears started, which Absolutely. was that big, thick we had, we catalog. Had,
1: yes, but we had uh, JCPenney that was closer. And my mother worked at JCPenney downtown Findlay, so she she was um, dedicated to them rather than
0: Sears. Imagine working yep. for the Sears catalog in in the catalog department, because when I was a kid... And I thumb through the catalog yeah, and I go right there. to the toys. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and for oh, yeah. G.I. Joe, they had oh, a, yeah. a picture, like, like a scene. Like So yeah, if it was yeah, the yeah, yeah, G.I. Joe yeah. safari kit, right. you get the, the buggy, you get the mummy's tomb, you get the pith helmet for your G.I. Joe. So in the catalog was this scene with the G.I. Joes in the vehicle. Somebody in the catalog department had to stage that. Oh, all right and put these t- like do like put a scene together. It's amazing, right?
1: It's amazing. But you just brought back a heck of a memory. What's that? The Christmas catalog editions, right? Oh yeah, special. You had siblings? Siblings? I don't know if this happened with Mark. We're too close together. In the mail comes the JCPenney Christmas catalog. We fought over it.
0: Oh. So, oh.
1: mom Shut up, It's only one, right? Only one catalog and three kids. Three at that same age range. Names go into a little hat, and she pulls this out in order. Okay, you get it for 15 minutes, and she sets the little thing on the stove. Yeah, the one that just screams out, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. You're going through it, and then you've got to give it up. And for a couple days, in the time allotted, (laughs) homework's done. Fifteen minutes, we're all there waiting. And then, of course, we had things memorized and we could leisurely go through it later. But every year that Christmas catalog came, it was the same thing. We get 15 minutes on the clock, go. But I'm going to tell you, if you're kind of desperate for a Christmas gift for someone today, find the era where they were that 8, 10, 12-year-old Christmas catalog Get that for them as a Christmas present. You can get those catalogs on eBay for a reasonable price. I'm just going there. And I got to tell you, you go back through it and you said, it is such a flashback and so much fun to look at a Christmas catalog from your era. Even if it wasn't your brand, even if it was an Aldens or somebody else, they all had the same toys, that kind of thing. And I always coveted. Once I got through the toys, I went to the... Princess phones. Oh. <laughs> and I thought it was the most bizarre thing in the world that people actually ordered matching Christmas pajamas. That would be in the front. There's moms. There's dads. There's a couple little kids. Weird. Oh, princess, a phone in your room. Mom, can no, you. there's one line. It's a party line. It's on the wall. Stand <laughs> under there and talk. I couldn't imagine that people actually, that kids
2: teenage girls
1: had their own phone which wasn't common the whole second line in the house type of thing <gasps> but princess what did you find
2: oh, Here they are.
1: oh and the catalogs oh yeah. oh typically yeah. don't bring a ton of money i mean it's when i would did it for cousins one year they were all under 20 dollars each but it is just a hoot to do and then now i really appreciate when i see that i go to the photo department Oh, right. i didn't give a hill of beans too much about it then but then go to the photo department in those catalogs and
2: 1966 oh. that'd be it for me for being 10 g.i
0: uh-huh. joe's astronaut spacewalk outfit oh i always oh. wanted that me too and i never got it g.i <laughs> joe frogman outfit comes with a shark a little vehicle g.i joe polar explorer outfit oh. ski patrol outfit
2: what year's that? I think my my I think my brother had like a, a desert
1: okay. or or a uh, uh, like Sahara desert type themed something he had for his.
2: I got my GI Joe when I was ten. That would have been nineteen sixty six. Okay, and they, I think that was the year they came. And out. whenever
1: you pulled their boots off to change their outfits. Wow. Uh, they didn't call them outfits for their uniform. Guy. Their, uniform their feet always came off. Oh, I didn't, Do you remember I didn't that? They had no. to get in their pliers and pull their feet out. Wow. <laughs> well, that is a flashback. Well, so all the, a little footlocker? Yes. yes. He, yeah. he had the, my brother had the footlocker. Or a
2: coffin, however you want to look at it. Nah. So
0: this book, this, is the Sears, this one, Sears 1969 Christmas catalog yes. is $100. Wow. Well,
1: I guess I should have bought more.
0: Yeah. Mm. Crazy, right? Yeah. Wow. I guess, I mean, there's everything in here. We're just looking yes. at toys, but
2: and I'm, I'm sure there's a camera department. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Mon- Montgomery Wards was the one that was closest to us. And, of course, they had Tower. No, Tower was Sears. What was Monkey Wards uh, brand? We didn't have one. I can't tell
0: you I, I forget right now.
2: On top of my head.
0: But now if you look at these, it's a snapshot. It's a cultural <laughs> snapshot. Yeah, it is. And what I'm most amazed at, I mean, I so wanted that G.I. Joe astronaut kit. Yeah. Yes.
2: It's $6.99. Back then. And think about that now. So that's probably about 50 50 bucks now with inflation. I'm going to look it up.
1: Well, not the original. I know what you're saying, Mark. I'm wondering what the
2: if you, no the original price in, in today's right, dollars. Right, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's maybe but if, you like had, if you had the,
1: thirty-nine forty-nine bucks, right? Yeah. If
2: you had it now in the original package, would be yeah. worth a lot more than that. Oh, hey, oh, yes. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You want to know big one was um, horrible Hamilton.
2: What's that? Do either
1: one of you remember horrible Hamilton? No. It was that monstrous looking huge plastic bug his eyes would light up and his legs and he'd make a growling and my brother had to have a horrible hamilton and he got one and it lasted probably as long as the flash did on my gaf camera about a (laughs) week it still looked good but the whole electronics of it went to heck in a handbasket Mm -hmm. so and and I wanted to get him a working horrible Hamilton, but was beyond my means. What I was willing to spend for my What does a
0: working workout. horrible Hamilton go for today?
1: Uh, uh, it's the I the last time I looked, it was coming in around three hundred. Okay, wow. so because so few of them continued to work,
2: I think. Yeah, my favorite gift was in sixty eight when the year that we went around the moon, and it was one of those little um, race car slot car sets. I I just. Use the hell out of that thing. Mm-hmm. Good
1: point. Do you have a gift that comes to mind? It's like yes. Is there oh. one in your head?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It would definitely be which I got, which was that uh, GI Joe uh, Safari kit. The the came with came with the mummy. It came with a, uh, an Egyptian casket with a mummy inside. The vehicle. <laughs> oh god. The Explorer cap for the GI no, Joe.
1: Must have. Yes.
0: Oh, <laughs> that was yeah, a you big gonna, deal. You guys
1: are going to chuckle at what mine was. What's that? A microscope. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah. I, I got it. a yeah. microscope. Loved it. Loved it. There were also... So, uh, in I electronics, also
0: was. these kits, Radio Shack sold them, and it was a box, and you would wire it. Oh, yeah. And it would do all make different sound effects, or...
2: <gasps> do you remember uh-huh. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And they, they had... So many more hands-on things today yes. it was, it was too dangerous, right? Right. Oh yeah. And one of my other favorite gifts was a chemistry set. Oh, oh yeah, I love that thing. I they, had so much. They fun They didn't with
1: trust it. me with that. I just got. I did
0: The chemistry set was a big deal too. Yes. Yeah. What did kids do with those? They
2: had little experiments. No, they had little experiments. They could say, they do this, you know, and this happens and all that.
1: Or mix this with water, let it go, and you'll grow a crystal. Yeah, stuff like that.
2: Things like that. Litmus paper. There was always so you
1: could go around and test what was acid or alkaline. They never had things in there you could
2: blow anything up with. No, see, I still want that. That came (laughs) later.
1: See, those kids, those kids were smart enough. To run that kooky camera, right? From a few right. episodes back,
2: and not drink
0: the Kool Aid, and not drink the Kool Aid. Well, the Kool-Aid, I can tell you what I wanted that I never got. Yes, you know, as a kid, you just think of these things as like getting. I want to get this. Right. Yeah. I want to get that. But so, but even when I got my paper routes, I never bought these things. And there were two two things. One, the out of the back of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, the uh, eight millimeter condensed oh. versions of horror movies. Oh, sure, like Frankenstein, oh, Dracula. Yeah. They were expensive back then.
1: Did you have a projector that you could have played my dad on? had a projector. Okay.
0: And of course, uh realistic Don Post like a werewolf mask. Oh. And in 1973 there were $35. Oh, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It was just... What year? 73.
1: See, there was a Findlay Mask Company. No way. They may have still been... The, their catalog of what they made was amazing. I wonder if they made that.
0: I know Don Don Post Studios in California made them.
1: Actually crank them out. They actually... Oh, it's amazing. quite
0: possible that Don Post had to get someone to make... To crank out. Yes. But when you, as a kid, you see the picture of oh, yeah. oh. Don Post. You know what is. Yes. You, know, you, you think it's coming from... Of course. You don't think right. that it's, you, you know... He signed mm-hmm. everyone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, But I never got that realistic-looking werewolf mask. But anyhow, regardless of who's here, <laughs> still guilty of like, hey, you guys are going to talk about a camera. I got to go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about some cameras. Yeah. Okay. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. We're going to talk really quick about Yodica film. People may be asking... What? is Yotica Film. It's, Does it have to do with Return of the Jedi? I don't know. I don't know. Sure, me, you will. <laughs> Hi. Yotica Film is a 35mm color film that gets processed normally, C41, and it's imported from Italy exclusively into the FPP online store, and it's a what's known as a pre-exposed special effects film. Which means in Italy, the Yodica folks are pre-exposing the film. Don't ask me how. I don't know how. How do they do it, Mike? I don't know, but it's super special. Leslie, what are some of the the flavors Flavors. of Yodica film that is available? I love it. I love calling them flavors. And, of
1: course, there they are. Good. Uh, FPP is carrying six different flavors, and they have very... Celestial names such as Antares, warm colors top and bottom, right? Cool tones slid in between.
0: Interesting.
1: Throughout the entire roll.
0: Sandwich. Sandwich. What
1: else? We have Cereal. Cereal. This one I kind of like a little better because there's it's greens and blues. It's oh man. Mm-hmm. cool, man. Vega. Rather than being like the the very first one, the Antares, this goes more with warm oranges. oranges, and they're on the bottom and the cools on the top. We also have Atlas, a rainbow of color throughout the entire horror film, film. It's good old Andromeda is like looking through rose colored glasses. glasses everyone needs everybody's a roll kind of, of that <laughs> it, uh, a little I that now. pink Hi. pink, and then as a counterpart to that is Polaris. Polaris. And the Polaris is soft blue tones all, over, all everything. over everything. And then let's just do it. Pegasus. Pegasus is a horizontal, is a horizontal, horizontal rainbow, rainbow, of rainbow of color, of color and, it's, of and it's where if some of these are very tint looking, these are rather strong colors. And this is a C41 film. Very easy to do at home. Very easy to send out. So nothing at all tricky there about having this film processed no nope. it is a standard 35 millimeter film
0: 400 ISO
1: all 400 ISOs. all 400 fantastic. ISO 36 and, uh, exposures all 36 exposure lengths we are the exclusive distributor here in the US and they go in and out of stock pretty quick this is actually pretty popular yes product so as i speak right now three of them are sold out and that doesn't mean by the time you hear this that they'll not be back and it may be something else check it out check it in check it out folks folks. check it out
0: out. hey we're back and leslie Lazenby has a camera to talk about believe it or not
1: not necessarily kind of on my bucket list Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm going to talk about the leica mini lux af zoom Way, way back way back way, back. way, back. way back. there's a sound effect in there I'm sure oh, yes. way back on episode 151 which was not that long ago it was the 29th of September of 2016 time
2: is a tool you can put on the wall or wear it on your wrist
1: I did a seg- segment on the Leica C1 point and shoot camera
2: the past is far behind us. The future doesn't exist.
1: Someone came into the shop, uh, offered it to me for 50 bucks. I checked it out eBay, it's worth about 50 bucks. In the box, he got it because he was a salesman, it was pretty clean, and I used it and did that segment on it and As I stated at the time, it's okay, it's a point-and-shoot camera, it's okay. Nothing about it screamed to me, it's like, oh my gosh, that's really a neat feature. And I stated that it just probably was not the perfect Leica point-and-shoot camera for me, that I thought the Lux series was a better fit. And uh, Minilux AF Zoom fell into my FPP hands, and so I'm going to get to test my theory now, year and a year and a half later. So here's this little camera. First, a few specs. It was introduced in 1999. It's an attractive camera. I like it better number one over the C1 because the C1 was black rubberized. And all you did from round one was either nick it, get a fingerprint on it, and it just looked used all the time. Not that there's a problem. It just didn't look nice. This one is not. This came in three editions. First one being called The Titan. Then there was the Titan DB. DB, Titan DB. What could the difference Oh, data back. Of course, silly. Data back. Then there was the Bogner edition, which was black titanium. Which edition is that? Mine is, this, mine is the straight, mine's the Titan DB.
0: Okay. what's the edition? Did you say the Wagner edition? Bognor, Bogner, B O oh. G N E
1: R. Bogner, Bogner. I'm not 100%. Black titanium. No, black titanium paint oh it's just paint but uh, obviously it's it's a 35 millimeter point and shoot because we're comparing it with the c1 it does have the zoom lens there are two versions of this a zoom lens version and then just a straight uh single lens 2x 35 to 70 3.5 f 3.5 all the way out at 70 millimeter you're going to be at 6.5 and it's a minimum focus of two feet three Inches. One little thing that's kind of interesting about this camera, yes, it is autofocus. Oh. But it also has dial at the top is off, AF, or you can manually dial in your distance. Get out of town. There's no visual on this, but there's a reason for this later on. You can actually, um, it's in meters, so once again, you know, they kind of got me, but I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Typical... A typical film speeds, uh, running in at 25, it's DX-coded, to 5,000. Oh. You don't put anything in, odd roll of film, like many, defaults to 100. The has a built-in flash, and it is a powerhouse. <laughs> if you have 100-speed film in, your flash will reach 12 feet to 19. If you run this thing all the way out to 70 millimeter. It's only going to reach six and a half feet. Hmm. But they've taken care of that by putting a hot shoe on this. Shoe, sure, what shoe? So you've hot got a built-in shoe. flash, and you've got a dedicated hot shoe.:
0: Look at that. Look at that. Look nice. what they did. Great.: And when you put a, a, a flash in that hot shoe, does it shuts off the internal flash?
1: Shuts off the internal. Oh And out goes that distance. Uh, that original distance of 12 feet now reaches to 19. That original distance of six and a half feet on 70, 70 millimeter built in, put the dedicated flash on, now goes out to 10. So it was not that strong either. Has a self timer, good, we need that. Tripod socket, yep, we need that. Time, and b setting, go with that. It takes a 1, 2, 3A lithium battery. Okay. That is the longer one. Uh, but what's a little bit – there's got to be something different about it. Right now, it's still pretty much standard point-and-shoot, except for the fact that you can manually focus this. Um, a few had. Not everybody. Self-timer, yes, but optional remote.
0: Oh, remote, yeah. Yep. Leslie, did anyone ever use these remotes?
1: Um. Me, maybe once or okay. twice. Just, I, have. I like them. A lot of times they made a slot in the camera where mm-hmm. it fit in and you always had it with mm-hmm. you. That was nice. If it's a separate piece, nah, it probably never got used. Interesting little thing that they made for these was a panorama adapter. Now, of course, it's the fake panorama. that's strictly cropping, but it was an insert that you put into the camera before you loaded the film. So you were committed for panorama for the whole roll. It's a little snap-in thing. You do have, a little bit unusual for point-and-shoot cameras, is you do have some exposure override, plus and minus one, minus two stops in half-stop segments. That's a little different. Personal program mode. So if I want to set this up, that I turn this camera on, and the automatic flash does not always come up, or the red-eye reduction does not always come up, I can program into this camera. Every time you come on, the flash is turned off. And then I will have to option it to turn on. Hmm, so there nice. was some of those things that you was always irritating. I don't ever want to use the flash and you have to and your camera goes to sleep or turns off and it defaults back. But you have to press a button, go through the override. A slow thing about it is if you ever want to go back to the factory defaults, you've got to simply go through the same process and kind of back your way out of it to set it. So there's no quick default button to get everything back to it. I think it's heavier than it looks. I agree. It it it's it's the term we used to use. It's a meaty camera. Actually, it's comfortable to use. Performed well. Exposure was on. I shot a roll of Plus X in it and tested it with someone else's monobath, a competitor's monobath. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say who. But you can check it out real easy. It's on my Flickr account. Thank you, Leslie. And, uh, Loyalist. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> outdoors where it should be. This was nice day. Plus X filmed recently. We write. Sharp, going to tell you the lens. I think it's nice. The inside stuff typical. The outside where was kicking that f-stop up a little bit. This is good. This is sweet. So, that was a nice surprise. I don't know if if this was because they actually did proper testing. The focusing method used on this was a problem. If I'm out in big sky country and I'm shooting a landscape, it's those clouds or that open sky does not have enough contrast variables in it for this camera to see to focus. So infinity, solid, throws it off, focuses off. Shouldn't be a problem. It's infinity. Everything should be sharp. It's not. That's okay. I know that now. I can flip it over into manual if that's the case. If I wanted to put this into the B setting and use it to photograph fireworks, because if you put a camera like this on a tripod in the B setting – You can photograph fireworks. Oh, yeah. Hold it open. Cover the lens when they're not burning. Uncover it. Keep going back and forth. You get a whole bunch of fireworks on your film. But you have to be able to manual focus. Otherwise, it's looking for focus with this camera. You can do that. So I have um, what I call the Mini Lux Mysteries. Number one mystery. Who made this camera? Well, it was designed by Manfred Meinzer, of Leica. Leica aficionados go, yeah, Meinzer, yeah, Meinzer, of course, he did it. We all know, we all know who designed her stuff. And the lens and the case were theirs. But this thing was not put together or built by them. And they're not 100% sure if it was Panasonic or Minolta, people kind of fight about this. There's relationships with Leica, with both of these companies, and no one, no one's actually coming out and saying, "I worked in the plant, slip me fifty, I'll tell you." It's so. Look, like I see that's one of my one of my Minilux mysteries. Now, probably the biggest Minilux mystery I have today about this camera is. Repeatedly, and I mean repeatedly, this camera, zoom version, on the bay, will sell for over $500.
2: Ouch.
1: Average is right in there at five. It's unusual, unless it's beat up and got some dings in it, you pick it up for three and a half. It's a nice point and shoot. But if I'm going to drop 500 on a camera, right. it's probably not going to be this. Right. So I kind of call it like I kind of call it the uh, like a mini box instead of the <laughs> mini lux. I I'm still kind of holding out because these things have such a fantastic reputation. Is it because sometimes it is. It's I've got a Leica in my pocket. Yes, it's a good camera. <laughs> it has a great lens. Kind of got to pay for that a little bit. So I'm I'm holding out for my final test. I want to do the Minilux non-zoom. I was correct in the fact that I do like the Minilux better than the C1. Uh, but uh, I I will not keep this camera necessarily in my shooting lineup or family. But I got to do my test, and that's that's my Minilux. Like a story for the day.
0: Thank you very much, Leslie. Thank Do any you. any questions?
1: Yes.
2: Mm. Mark Dalzell, John yeah. Fidelli. You're quiet today. Oh, they're quiet. Mark O'Brien. When you have when you've had out in the street, it looks so much like a digital number one. People are just going to assume it's a digital camera, I think. But it's a pretty. Cam- I mean, it's almost brick-like.
1: It very much is very squared off, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, um, some of our other little point and shoots are rather smoothy and roundy and that kind of thing. It looks like a but. first
2: generation digital point and shoot. It certainly does. Yeah, doesn't it? The LCD screen's just fine on it because that's always yes. been a bone of contention with some of these earlier some of these point and shoots. It,
1: it's fine right now. Right now, this one is not working because the battery is dead. Okay. So, I was going to buzz over and get one, slip it in while I talk to it because, as many of you may or may not know. When I do a segment, I always have the camera in front of me as I'm talking to you about it. Oh, please, you really don't need to have a battery in it just to yammer on about it. Thank you, (laughs) Leslie. You're
0: welcome. Uh, Really quick, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but before we do, you know, Mark Mark O'Brien, a while ago, I think when we were in Finlay in the summer, you gave me this Industar 50 F2... Lens. Oh no, F3.5 lens. Right.
2: But it's called Industar 50 2. Is that the right. name of the lens? Yeah, it's. Okay, now that I, you, I see you have it on that adapter, and we were saying how we couldn't focus it to infinis, infinity on the, with the, uh, putting it on a K mount because it's a, it's a screw mount lens. Yes. That that adapter is not made for film cameras. It's a dig <gasps> adapter. So you're because seeing the plane. Right, because it's, it's sticking out. A true, a true screw mount to K-mount adapter is just a ring that fits right inside the, the, the uh, bayonet of the, of the Pentax. And then it allows you to use a screw mount lens. So it's slightly off in registration by like a millimeter and a half. So since you're
0: focusing through, through the lens, you can get focus, but Affinity is not going to be in focus. If you stop it down all the way, it probably will be. Uh, but but i don't understand because this is we're talking about a M42 screw lens it's a pancake yep and i bought a chi- i bought a chinese adapter on ebay shipped from china and it is a pentax you know pentax mount for the M42 lens now this adapter how would you how would anyone be using this either on a digital body or even a digital lens, because there is no digital for this type of adapter.
2: How much was that adapter? $2. Okay, there you go. Oh. So if you... Now, the other thing is, if you're using that with a mirrorless camera...
0: But how? No mirrorless cameras have a Pentax adapter.
2: Oh, they have multiple... Well, yeah, they have multiple adapters for Pentax for mirrorless cameras. So it might be you've got a... You might have a uh, a mirrorless adapter for a K mount, and you want to use a screw mount lens with it. So that's that's what you would end up doing. But if you have a anything I've seen with um, K mount adapters, a, a good one is always the one that well the ones that Pentax sold. Obviously, they just fit right inside there inside the ring of the, of the mount, and it allows you to use the screw, the screw mount. Now, if you're using that on a bellows, it would be just fine. If you're doing macro work, it wouldn't matter. Okay. And that might be one reason someone would have that. So it does allow you to fit it, but it's just probably a millimeter and a half off in registration from the, from the film plane, so it won't give you true infinity focus on this, unless you're stopped way down. I bought it for fun. Well, and you know, you know get what? Some, you'll get some fun this adapter, uh,
0: which, by the way, this adapter probably costs five cents. It Cost you more than the lens did. I think the adapter was like seven. I think the whole package cost me ten bucks. Okay. Which I I just really wanted to put this pancake lens on a small, tiny yeah. Pentax. The me is a perfect. One yeah, for just that. having fun. When we come back, Marco Brown is going to be talking about what?
2: I'm going to talk about a book. Okay.
0: we're going to be right back
2: because i'm a professional photographer people often ask me how to get their money's worth in a pocket camera i recommend the minolta pocket auto pack 450e it has an all glass lens not plastic plus the minolta adjusts automatically for the correct flash exposure as you focus for beautiful stop-action pictures and for dramatic close-ups the minolta has an added lens the minolta pocket auto pack get a whole lot of camera for your money
0: swear, folks at home, that when I'm not recording FPP, mm. I'm not as much as I'm not a sugar fiend, a caffeine, a caffeine commando. Yeah. <laughs> no, during the week I'm pretty mellow. You know, I really go easy. You know, I'm throwing, this, throwing bananas in a blender is, at home.
1: This is, I know, and then within <laughs> what, around twenty-four hours. An entire unit of Dietz's pretzels has disappeared. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: There was quite a few of us here, though, when the box started. Oh, yeah. yeah. those yeah. were
0: I would say those were the big hit, Leslie. You need they a little
2: caffeine to get through these sessions. It really yeah. helps. Absolutely. Mark, what do you got? I'm going to do a little book review followed by a camera review. Okay. How about that? One of the joys of photography is that you can do, do a lot with next to nothing. I call that a very democratic and a process because everyone can uh, make a camera with nothing more than a pinhole. You don't need to have that like a lux Zoom <laughs> to have a, a good photograph. And a good photograph doesn't have to be sharp. So I have this book called by Chris, Keene. Chris Keene, K- Keeney. Chris Keeney. K K E E N Y. Turn any container into a pinhole camera. Yes. Pinhole cameras, a do-it-yourself guide. The only limit is your imagination. So this is a nice, um, nice book. It is hardbound, but it's wire bound inside, so it lies flat. It has plans, step-by-step plans for making your own pinhole cameras from a variety of, of containers. Everything you need to do. It's got plans for making shutters. It's got. How to uh, how to uh, set up your your container from the simple oatmeal box pinhole, which today is sort of a pain because the pinhole or the oatmeal boxes aren't what they used to be. Right, they changed the lid. They did. So now you have a, a you have to paint the lid black if you want to use them. It's a really I I think it's a really nice book if for your um, collection. It's got things for making uh, thirty five millimeter cameras from from out uh, mint. Mint cams like Altoids and things like that. The minty cam it it shows how you can set it up to um, put a whole roll of 35 millimeter uh, in the attach it to the can and make it work. Uh, Making pinhole cameras from all kinds of things. How to take other containers, other cameras, turn them into pinhole cameras. And he's got a gallery of images from the in the back, which are really nice. So talks about darkroom procedures because frankly, if you're doing pinhole work you might be even more inclined to to have a dark room or do-it-yourself development things like that uh, he's got all kinds of tips on making tripod mounts for your pinhole camera what kind of tools you need what kind of hardware you need the pinhole toolbox it's a beautiful book it's a great resource and if you're interested in doing pinholes I highly highly suggest it it is published by Princeton Architectural Press it came out oh what what year did this come out it's not very old let's see it was published in 2011 so it's probably still in print certainly it should be available uh, online at your favorite uh, online store and I I highly recommend it it's a really good do-it-yourself guide and uh, it's Chris Keeney pinhole cameras a do-it-yourself guide
1: I would love to look at that
0: where did you get that book Mark
1: he stole
2: it. I think I got it at a uh, Barnes & Noble or something like that back a, a while back. <laughs> I stole dead, it.
1: I'm sorry. It was uh, a dead milk man song. Where'd you get the car? No, the man I stole it. What'd you pay for it?
0: And is pinhole popular right now?
2: Oh, yeah. I, There's. I think because of the internet, I think it's more popular than ever. It used to be one of these things where they said, oh, yeah, pinhole. You use it to introduce students to photography in a really cheap way. And... The, the problem with that approach was, oh, it's just a stepping stone to learn how, to, how a camera works. But in reality, people can spend a lifetime doing nothing but pinhole. And with all the variations in, in how you approach doing pinhole photography and whatever is in your mind and what you want to accomplish... It's one of those things. It could be a lifelong passion for someone. You
1: don't necessarily ever outgrow pinhole. No, because there's always a new camera to make or uh, a, a new something new to shoot on. If you shoot on paper, that's a pinhole camera. That's a year exposure. Right. You don't outgrow. Well, solar, you know, the solargrams are so, amazing. Yes, exactly. I, I, I love those things, and I've um, never done one. Like I say, you just never outgrow it. That's that's a that's a fine book.
2: And the other thing I, um, about pinhole photography is that. With the internet, now you can buy there's a bigger community out there of pinhole photographers and they have Worldwide Pinhole Day um, things like that which gets people engaged in in doing pinhole photography. There are um, workshops all over the place using pinhole cameras and the other thing I like about it is that you really don't need much in the way of equipment to to be good at it. What you really need is an idea of what you want to how you want to photograph something? And yeah. Vision, vision, yeah, and and that and of course the thing with, with with pinholes. As I'm speaking right now, I have a pinhole camera sitting on the on the de- the desk here, and it has been going for a long exposure. And Mike and Leslie are probably just nothing but blurs, but <laughs> as usual. <laughs> <laughs> but all the things sitting on the table should be sharp. So, and that leads me to my next topic, and that's going to be the Ondo pinhole camera. Okay, next book. No, next, next camera. Oh, yeah, next camera. Continuing on the pinhole theme, I'm going to review the Undo pinhole camera. I have a 6x9 Undo pinhole camera, which is made out of wood. It's got um, magnets that holds everything together, including the, sh- the shutter button closed. Uh, it's be- It's beautifully made. I mean, it's, it's made out of hardwoods, made in Europe. Since it uses 120 film, I can get eight images on a roll because it's 6x9 centimeters. And Use whatever film I want black and white, color negative, or reversal film or slide film as you want to call it. The undo cameras are well crafted from hardwoods and you and are very easy to use. There's a lot of other um, brands of ready made pin- pinhole cameras out there, and some are easy to use, some are not. This is one of the ones I call it's just definitely easy to use, it has all the little you don't need much. You just need to have a, a reliable um, shutter closing, a reliable winding mechanism, and the ability to tuck it away somewhere until you need it again. The one thing that not my favorite thing about pinhole cameras, is, and that is many of them are single shot. You've got one sheet of film or one sheet of paper, and you only get one shot, and then you've got to take it back and develop it. But if you've got a roll of film in there, it makes it a lot more enjoyable to do out an experiment and do and do more and be more adventuresome with your with your pinhole shooting. And so, generally, those commercially available pinhole cameras use 35 millimeter or 120 film, and some of use 4 by 5. The problem with 35 millimeter, in my opinion, is that the film format doesn't take doesn't show pinhole photography to its best <sighs> because it's so grainy at that at that level. You go to do an enlargement, and it just it's it's not going to look as sharp as it might if you shot it on a larger with more film real estate, yes, Mike?
0: What if you use something like Tech Pan or
2: Now that might be different. Yeah. Tech Pan should give you something much sharper. Or a
0: super low ISO.
2: And then you have really, really long exposures, oh. which in its own way may be advantageous, right? right okay. And, and so but I so I and there's a lot of thirty five millimeter pinhole cameras out there commercially available they're in kits sometimes or they are just sold that way as ready to go but for me medium format is where it's at for pinhole photography and there aren't too many of those commercially available cameras undo is one zero image is another one the thing about pinhole is yeah it can be really cheap but it can also be expensive if you buy a ready-made camera Mm -hmm. um the on are made in europe they go for about, I'd say, $150 US, which is pretty pricey. Um, And I'm not even sure if they're all still being available or still always available in the format you want. The ones I've seen most people use are 6 x six which makes it quite compact. And we talked about the pin box recently, and that's a 6x6, 120 camera. And that, I haven't yet to try that one, but that looks very attractive because of that It makes 6x6 format. It makes it much more compact than a 6x9 camera.
1: They're going to offer 6x9.
2: Okay. But, mm-hmm. And then there's some that are 6x12. Mm-hmm. I mean, Holga has had a pin, pinhole panoramic out. It's 6x12. I had one for a bunch of years. I didn't use it a lot. I sold it on eBay for like $100. Wow. This camera, it's got a a little um, inscribed view area or angle of view for the camera on the side. So if you're doing a a vertical, it's got it on the top for doing a, a landscape mode. It has a little bubble level on top, which is nice. Very you know, handy. Yeah, very handy. So your picture's going to be uh, straight. It has a tripod socket on the bottom. Everything is held closed and in place with magnets, super magnets. Comes in a little cloth bag. But the thing I really like about it, too, is it's got a little handy cheat sheet. Look at that. When I was a kid, I had a wood-burning kit. <laughs> and I thought that was fun until I burned my finger too many times. Yeah. <laughs> It has a little chart on there for setting your exposure, and depending on what... Uh, what is that made? Is that
0: made of paper or wood? It's
2: wood. It's a oh. Piece of, it's like a little piece of plywood in there, and it's all... In, well, yeah, it's a little piece of plywood, polished, and it's got... Everything's printed on there. I I wonder if it's laser inscribed, because that's a big deal, these things, I'm sure. No one had a brand new went... <laughs> right. And, Burned into the wood. Very handy. And you're that? not going to lose it or have it destroyed in your pocket because it's made out of wood. Mm-hmm. One place I saw a lot of pinholes was on my pinhole cameras was my visit to Blue Moon Camera in Portland, Oregon. They had a whole display case with a whole shelf full of different manufacturers' um, cameras, so much I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. So that was a real real tr- treat to see. You know, if you want to uh, advance beyond just do it, DIY or you don't feel like being a DIY person... You can buy a commercially made pinhole camera, such as the Ondu or Zero Image or any of the other ones that are out there, and, and have a blast.
0: Thank you, Mark. I have a que- Oh, Leslie has a question, and then I have a quick question.
1: Etsy? Familiar with Etsy? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a lot of awesome, small pinhole manufacturers oh, okay. making some beautiful cameras. Very, very limited production on Etsy. I never even really thought to look oh, at it before. I wouldn't have thought that, yeah. And... Um, not there again they're they're not twenty nine ninety five cameras a lot of them are wood right amazing, just another source for some unusual pinhole cl- cameras for you pinhole aficionados
2: yeah, not everyone is is comfortable hammering out something mm-hmm. on their own, and they yeah. don't have the either the technical or even the the, the the need to want to make their own thing but if they want to experiment with a pinhole camera that's already made to go that 's one way of doing it.
0: Uh, Mark, what are your, is your opinion on uh, these uh, camera caps that you can get for just about any camera?
2: Again, I, I see people using them on digital cameras, mm-hmm. and pinhole on dig, I think, sucks. Okay.
0: Basically, you take your lens off. This is a cap that's sold that has right. a pinhole drilled in it. Right. And you put that on your camera body, and then you converts any camera into a pinhole camera. Right.
2: And And so for 35 millimeter, I mean, I've already said it's not my favorite format for pinhole, but for some people, that may be just all they want to do, and they'll be happy with it. Right. Or put it on their digital camera, they'll be happy with it. The thing with digital is that there's so much diffraction going on on those sensors with a pinhole that it's not the best choice, and you get really a very degraded image compared to using film. Um, The other thing is, if you have an old folding camera with a good bellows, like you have, I talked a long time ago about those AGFA folders, the 6x6 yep. six six folders, and so many, of them, so many of them have such bad gummed-up lenses that it's sometimes you're not ever going to get them. I, mean, I had one I gave up on trying to un- ungum the lens, uh, the he- lens helical. Those are ideal candidates for turning into pinhole cameras because they fold up and they're easy to carry around. If you haven't used one before and you want to, you know, I mean, look at the, go look at online, there's all kinds of plans online for pinhole stuff. But if you're not feeling extremely handy and you want to just either get one of those body cap pinholes for your 35 mm and see what you can get or go up a little bit and get a one of these nice custom-made uh, pinhole cameras that are just they're beautiful. I mean, they're nice, nice to nice to use and they look they, they look spectacular. So, there you go. Thank you, Mark.
1: Uh, what battery does that take? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh,
0: caffeine for the person that's <laughs> running around hey, baby. with it. Folks, you could write to us podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We're going to be signing off right now for this particular show. I want to thank everyone for joining us. It's a great thrill, always a great thrill, and a great pleasure to connect with you folks, all you film fanatics. Film enthusiasts out there, uh, do drop us a line. Don't forget, you can see us on the socials, medias, the Facebook, the Instagram, <laughs> the, Instagram. the Flickr. <laughs> Not too many folks on Flickr, but check it out; it's a really you know, good d- place. Don't forget
1: our MySpace account. Yes, <laughs> 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 we'll see you guys soon.